0: Welcome back to the Y Hockey periodically, having to remind people that Kevin Weeks actually blocked me on Twitter podcast. This is a real thing that happened.
1: Brendan Montreux.
0: <laughs> I wish Kevin Weeks had broken that trade. I do want to say, though, that it was kind of funny when everybody was starting to quote tweet his tweet with the uh, major trade of the day. And I had to go, like, oh, what happened here? And then I realized it was a Kevin Weeks tweet, and I have to put it in an incognito window to open up to see what was going on. That, Does that's, Kevin Weeks block you? Because <laughs> Kevin Weeks blocked me. Yep. <laughs> what did you do? Make fun of his pads or something? I I could not tell you what it was like ten years ago. I'm serious. Uh, like crazy. it was a very long uh, time ago. He might have blocked me when I was in high school, and I don't. I couldn't tell you what the joke was that got me. I've been blocked by a couple of like football writers at at one point in time. All that happened when I was younger. But I could not tell you why Kevin Weeks blocked me. I'm just saying it happened. And it's very amusing to me that it did. And so it, it's a point that I have to make now because when he broke a trade, I have to now go and look at the tweet in another browser window because he blocked me.
1: I can't even remember the trade he broke,
0: to well, be honest. Well, well, we'll get to the trade he broke a little bit later because it is actually a fascinating deal in many regards so uh yeah you mentioned brandon montour let's get to all these panthers deals because yeah there there are a lot of things we need to get to um that's that's, yeah definitely
1: how i've been looking at the trade deadline this year is very focused on the panthers
0: yes there there are other deals that we're going to get to we'll talk about the flyers later admitting that it's time to give up and probably the right move and what this means for the future we'll talk about some other trades too um but yeah, very Panther centric obviously because this is the first trade deadline in a very long time where the Panthers are actually going to the playoffs. So Yeah, not on the bubble, not maybe you know, neat you know, maybe are in
1: it for a wild card spot. This is most models have them ninety nine point something percent likely to make the playoffs and be in round one, not the play in series, not something like that, like an actual
0: round one matchup. I do so. not count the bubble as an actual playoff thing. Like that doesn't count to me. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that like, this is the first time since 2016, when they traded for Teddy Purcell and Erie Hoodler, remember that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, when they are now an actual team that's making the playoffs. Although again, Without Ekblad, it changes the paradigm of what they could have done. A lot in some ways. I, I yes honestly and no. Think... I think that's been overstated.
1: I think a lot of things are overstated these days. Um,
0: I do think that. I think that's why. I think I, they would have been more in on players like David Savard if they could have, if they could have I don't gone think with Ekblad. I do. You
1: don't. I don't think they would have. Um, I mean, I think they would have maybe been been more in on other players, but I don't think it would have been Savard. If Ekblad was healthy.
0: Well, I use Savard as an example of a kind of rental that they possibly could have gone right. after. But I'm just saying that in
1: all realities, Ekblad being out, I don't think should alter too much what your plans were. If, I mean, because the goal is still to build to a better team to make use of this year and next year with Barkov.
0: This is definitely true. And they did, well, they attempted to do that. So I, I want to start with a couple of these trades. because Should we go in chronological order? Because I don't want to forget the first trade. The, the Vinny I thing doesn't count. Um, the first trade that was, was notable um, was well, the, well, I think let's, let's
1: lump in Henestrosa with this because yeah. I basically— we were talking at the beginning of the season. I said, I just wouldn't have signed Henestrosa. I just would have kept Walmart. Congratulations, Tommy. Thank you. <laughs> You proven,
0: win. Proven correct once again. Like Quinnville in
1: the errors in in his
0: ways and yeah. our old, so, our old buddy Tommy, this this is another one. It's like when you see a tweet that says Mackenzie Weger has the best defensive so, like goals above replacement in the league at even strength, and you're like, ah, why hockey wins again? Yes, yes. I loved that tweet because it was like a reminder of you know what, if we've done anything in our lives hosting this show, we, we were on Mackenzie Weger before anybody else. So we we can at least like that band that was great underground and then had a big hit and like I remember them when they were this, you know this this tiny I can't do this because I'm not a huge enough music fan to make it happen. You you like music more than me so it feels like that with that. But anyway, um yeah, Hinojosa never played. I wish he would have shame. Uh, and now they have Lucas Walmart because everything that's old is new again. Isn't that great? Um, but this trade th- that they made to dump Connolly's contract to. Do so, they got rid of Riley Stillman and Henrik Borgstrom in a seventh-round pick. And we'll say that, for me, getting rid of Conley's contract is as much about this year as it was next year because they will need the cap space next year with the cap not going up.
1: It wasn't about this year because they didn't need it this year. I mean, it was about maybe clearing salary to take on Montour and Sam Bennett's salary, but, I mean... A little bit, but that's I mean, it. and
0: to do that, they didn't honestly they the have to give base. up. They didn't have to honestly give up very much. Like, Stillman is an expendable defenseman as much as I think he has some attributes. He wasn't playing, and he was down the depth chart, and once they signed Matt Kierstead, he became very expendable. And Henrik Borgström essentially became expendable once they drafted Anton Lindell. So well, I don't think that's true. It think... feels like it, even if it might not actually be true.
1: Well... I'm... For a while, Borgstrom's never been a two C. So it was never, you know, he's fallen off that projection a long time ago. So to me, Lundell coming in didn't impact Borgstrom. I think what's been true is Borgstrom, the rift with Borgstrom, it was pretty. It, they weren't crossing that bridge again. So this is them trying to make the most of it. Chicago's probably the one that was willing to take the most amount of dead money or something like that from Florida in exchange for Borgstrom, and that's how they made their choice. Uh, I, don't I, think it's liked...
0: terrible, I don't think it's a terrible trade in that you got rid I of a contract that would have been otherwise, I think, pretty difficult to get rid of, and you didn't have to give up anything that you're going like, wow, that sucks.
1: But, I mean, I would have liked Yarmar. Uh, Chicago, uh, there was a couple guys Chicago traded that maybe would have taken – as well, I w- or would have, you know, maybe put, put a little more capital into that trade to get them back too, or something like that. Um, but I don't know.
0: Well, well, it, I, I it's think... a it's a nothing trade. It, I'm happy to get rid of Connolly. Uh, I, I apologize to all cost... of you because I tried to justify that when they signed him in 2019, yeah. and I was it, proving very It was very always going
1: to cost a Borgstrom level. Like if it wasn't Borgstrom, it was going to cost Heineman, who was moved for Bennett, or it was going to cost. You know, Sarah Noel, or it was going to cost, you know, maybe, um, you know, Hutzko and a better pick or something like that. You know, it was always going to cost a pretty sizable amount to get rid of a Connolly contract. Sim- similar with Strawman, whenever they get to that,
0: it'll be a little bit different with Strawman. And I, I mean, I thought there was a chance they'd move him, but that's an off-season thing. Um, he is 100% gone um, this off-season, one year left on his deal. And that might not be as happy, big of a hit. Happy they got, what was it, 10, maybe 12 good games out of him to begin the season and get off on the right foot? I'll yeah. take it. Well, more than yeah, I I'll, I'll take it. He, he played his role. He played his part. Uh, there are going to be a number of teams next year that are going to kind of need a defenseman like that. So, and we'll have a bunch of cap space like Detroit, Buffalo, New Jersey, Ottawa. All these teams are going to need somebody like that next year on their blue line. And while it's not a great contract, it's only one year. So I think it's movable. And we'll get to more of that in the future. Um, Speaking of defensemen, yeah, that wasn't a great Saturday morning surprise when I woke up. Usually that's Tottenham being terrible. That's not for this podcast. That's for something else. But um, when I look at trading at the trade deadline and trying to get a rental, um, it does pose obviously challenges. And I think it poses challenges whenever you're trading from somebody from a team that is as bad as the Sabres are. To even begin to analyze what a player like that is like away from that situation, this does not excuse the fact that Brandon Montour is very bad. And you can't really justify it. Now, the only explanation I can see for this maybe working is, and you have to twist your arms for this, is firstly, he was so bad in Buffalo that the situation is just so all encompassingly bad that everything, like Taylor Hall, uh, it was so all encompassingly bad that it makes it hard to evaluate how somebody is. Because Montour played brutal minutes for a brutally bad team. In Florida, he is not going to play brutal minutes. He will not get anywhere near top-pairing uh, minutes, which should alleviate some of the issues. Some, I'm not sure about that. I, we'll I don't, get to it in a second. Yeah. Um, the, the second part about that is... is is. As much as I think he's really bad, and you don't need me to tell you that, you can look at Micah, you can look at Jay Fresh, you can look at anybody's numbers. Like, they'll tell you he sucks. And that's no offense to Brandon Montour. I hope he succeeds. But the thing I think the Panthers were looking for in this and why they didn't go after somebody like Patrick Nemeth or any of these other defensemen that moved, who I would have liked more, is I think they wanted some level of offensive upside from the blue line. And I guess if you squint... You can find it with Brandon Montour, and I just went really hard. This but. is what they. This is what they wanted. They wanted a right shot
1: defenseman who's shooting the puck well. Brandon Montour. That's it. That's all he does. That's all he can do well. It's all. That's the upside on him. That's the upshot here. Is they can plug and play him kind of in spots where Ekblad was, hoping that he can just volume shoot his way into being useful for the rest of the year and okay i cannot kind of understand that that's not worth a third to me that's not the defensive help they need they don't need scoring from the back end whenever florida says hey we need to add goals the first thing they think of is like uh who's like the closest reclamation project you can think of that's a top nine forward and who's the most like atrociously bad defensively offensive defensemen. And those are the only two ways they address their scoring issues. And once again, that's what they did. Gusev's signing, which chronologically fits in what we're going to talk about next, I guess. It wasn't a trade. It was a signing. Um, But that was basically like saying, hey, maybe we should have kept Dadnov or tried to – or." it's unfortunate maybe that they couldn't work things out with dad on a better contract or something like that, because mm-hmm. they clearly needed to come into the season with more scoring and with a better forward lineup than they did. Yes. No one could under, could predict what happened, but you it's the GM and the coach's job to keep the roster at their star players level and to utilize the roster to get the most of it, to give the star player the support he needs when he's playing at his A-plus game, which
0: Barkov is right now.
1: Boy, and he just since can't, he's
0: come back to the lineup, he's been the only one that's basically shown up. You
1: Yeah, and maybe you get that next year. Maybe he's healthy. Maybe Ekblad's healthy too, but maybe, uh, you know, there's a couple of players who aren't healthy. Um, maybe your goalie's both suck next year again or something like that who knows so there's a lot of things that can happen and i'm not saying they had to trade everybody all at once or whatever but i would have traded a, traded a first or two tippet or denisenko and Heinemann and stuff into a package for somebody better than
0: bennett uh I want to to talk about – we'll we'll get to him. I want to talk about Gusev first. And it comes into a discussion we're going to have in a little bit, which is – let's preface this
1: by saying I think we're both fine with this, but –
0: I think for for a team that knows it's going to be very difficult to win because you don't have Ekblad, and that is a thing, but needs to give the room added stuff. Because you've been this good, you're still competitive to win this division even when you probably shouldn't be. I don't mind going out and doing some of these things in principle. In practice, we can talk about the ups and downs and the pros and cons of this uh, for all of these moves. For Gusev, there is no con. It is a one-year deal. If it doesn't work out, he walks. And his family apparently stayed in South Florida during the pandemic, so he doesn't have to go anywhere. And I'm going to do this thought exercise with you after we talk about the Sam Bennett move, which is when I was going through this in my head when they signed Gusev, my first thought was you need to play him with Barkov and Verhage night one because the reason you signed Gusev is because he has offensive upside. He showed very little of it in New Jersey, and that's because the Devils stink. But um, also he is horrifically bad defensively, kind of like Dadanoff in many ways. And Dadunov's defensive deficiencies were hidden when you played him with Barkov. So to me, and I I think possibly you'll agree here, is you drop Gusev on the first line immediately because anybody who plays with Barkov and Verhage are going to have good numbers and it's going to look the way you'd want it to look. If he doesn't score there, then he's not scoring, period. That's my view on this. I'm, I'm pretty over Huberto and Barkov broken up. That's where I am right now.
1: They need to score goals. They they can't, keep do, they can't keep not scoring goals down the stretch. They can't not have a line that's going to consistently score goals in a seven-game series or at least consistently threaten to score goals. Uh, you can always break them up in a game if it's not working. But if you can go into games and get control of the game, dictate cont- possession of the puck, uh, you know, get a, get a good run of momentum, maybe get the early goal, with 11 and 16 together that makes things a lot easier. I don't I think for proven enough that he can play on the second line and help drive things for Wenberg and Hornquist. Uh, and you know it's not like Dadnov wasn't much better and shown much and shown his skills to a higher extent when Huberto was also on that line. So in a similar thought, I think it makes Gusev's signing even more likely to succeed by bringing Huberto up with him.
0: So if you're, you're talking about then just going, because I'm surprised they haven't done Huberto and Barkov at even strength as much as they have, which is no, to say and, they've done it very little. Uh, so you, you'd start off when Gusev yeah. is playing, which will be Thursday, that you'd just start off with Barkov, Huberto, Gusev, and run. Because you, you would think then that... I would have had them back together a lot more. Right, I, uh, yeah. I I want to talk about that, too, when we get to our thought exercise about putting together lines because the last three games have been really annoying in that regard from Joel Quenville and how he has been suddenly not willing to break up lines when he should. Um, so that's Gusev. Again, this is a perfectly fine, no-risk acquisition that if it works out great, if it doesn't, you have no penalty for it. The big one was Sam Bennett. And th- this is a few layers to this onion here. And uh, you and I were both in the draft in Philadelphia when he was drafted fourth overall. Uh, my whole night was focused that night as it probably was for yours, that the flyers were desperately trying to trade up to number one overall because it was their draft and the uh, lightning and, and the overall. lightning. Yeah. There was that too. Um, that was the Sanheim draft for the flyers. Wasn't it? Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. Cause I, I remember, obviously I remember the sunrise draft a little more, but the, the Philly draft was a ton of fun. It was the first draft I went to, um, the Flames are terrible. They are a garbage fire. They were before they hired Daryl Sutter, and then they hired Daryl Sutter, and that made it worse. So trading for a player like that from the Flames, I'm not surprised that somebody did it. Now, I would have waited till the summer because I was thinking on Saturday night watching a little of their game and going, this team's garbage, they need to rebuild, and a new GM's going to come in this offseason. I was thinking, ooh, Ah, you could pick off Elias Lindholm. You could pick off Johnny Gaudreau. You could pick off Rasmus Anderson from that team in the offseason. And then then you're cooking. And then they traded with the Flames two days later. So I guess I'm kind of on the right track there. Maybe.
1: Well, I was Did, in the ballpark. This, this kind of cemented two theories. One, that this trade deadline was going to be exactly the same as trade deadlines with Dale Tallon. I can't imagine any of these moves not happening under Dale Talon or being less likely to happen if Dale Talon was GM. And two, the other theory is that Zito's kind of stuck with focusing on reclamation projects right now. And that will definitely work, and he can keep doing that till the cows come home, and I'm all for that, but they need NHL talent, talent that's ready to play or is a much better success rate of making an impact with Barkov right now. that That's a simple matter of the fact. And it's mm-hmm. disappointing that this is kind of where they're going into the playoffs with.
0: It, when I think about Sam Bennett, and I have to be fair, I don't watch a lot of Calgary Flames games. And let's be honest, not many people should do that right now because they're terrible. The thing with Bennett, I I've, I've, I've looked at some let's of the Let's just numbers.
1: say the the Panthers... Press release talked about his hits and blocks and that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, let's that's not that's talk how about they that. framed that's how they framed it. But I mean, like, if we're being honest, like, I like Sam Bennett enough that like I pick him up on fantasy every once in a while for said hits and blocks categories and stuff like that. But like, and and I would I take him in everything I guess. But that was a big price to p- pay for a guy who I don't think is
0: an answer in the top six you know i i agree with you i think and, there is potential upside to be a top six forward but i don't see it right now and it's yeah i i think there like, is something all these there work out and i want
1: all these to work out i want sam bennett to be great i want montador to be great again Steve want, you know i want all this stuff I want this all to work out and the Florida Panthers to win a series because they need to, for Barkov's sake, for, for my sanity's sake. Uh, and
0: I want that all to work out. But... There's I think it's a perfectly fair reason. to have reservations about these, these deals, and there's yeah. no reason not to. Yeah. And it's not like
1: I'm a huge Heineman guy. I mean, I like that he was Swedish and that he attacks the net and he's willing to do whatever it takes to score and he could have a little bit of Hornquist to him. Not that I, don't, I think he'll ever be that good, but, uh, you know, maybe he's a Victor Arvidsson or, I don't know, but that it would have been nice to see or to keep it around if the return is having to give up a future second round pick in 2022, which is better than, a, like, I would have traded, if it was a second round this year, I'd probably be less upset. I would, you know, be not less upset, because it's not like I'm upset about this trade, but. It's just, it's unimpressive. It's just like, this is, what, this is the exact repayment I expect out of Dale Talon, who, who waited to the last minute to do something meaningful, and all he comes up with
0: is better than nothing. And A2 Losterainen.
1: Yeah. A2
0: Losterainen for Vincent Trocek is, uh, yeah. Um, considering uh, Vincent Trocek has I mean, scored seven goals in six games against the A2 Panthers this season.
1: A2 Losterainen, who Zeta's going to
0: trade for uh, next trade deadline. Well, possibly. Uh, I want to talk about Bennett a little bit. Like, there is offensive upside there. I I think you look under the hood and you go, there's something here. It's not as if this is – he's taking a gamble on something that doesn't potentially – Yeah, maybe next year when they give him a center. So you don't think he's playing at center
1: next year? Well, I don't think he's a center one to begin with. I really don't like him under center. He – he's a guy who needs to get to certain areas of the ice set up and wait for the, and wait for a pass. You can't do that as a center. That's definitely you, a good point. And it's a good point. If, if, you know, if you want him to score goals, that means you want him in the, in the slot. You want him around the crease. You want him be come behind the net, you know, jumping out and, you know, picking up rebounds and things like that. Um, And, you know, I think if he's really good at hits and blocks, you want him on the point because now defensemen are more active. And if you think blocking shots is something you want in your defensive system and you want something good at, not just for the penalty kill, but on five on five, have a matchup against the defensemen who are more active on the blue line, walking side to side, getting a good shot blocker is pretty fundamental if that's something you care about. So do you think he would be good if, you, if they gave him decent playmaking wingers? I I mean, I don't – I just think that his he, – he's either a bottom six center or he can be maybe a middle six winger. But I don't think he can – I don't – I mean, if you give him a Verhage, like yeah. If you give him Verhage, I'm wondering is because Verhage we're about to do a thought exercise third, of,
0: of four give him, lines and, and defense pairs that we would do. Because I'm wondering where he fits into this.
1: Verhagen declaring third line matchups, yeah, oh yeah. But I mean, that's a lot of effort to make
0: Sam Bennett happen after paying a lot of money to make him a Panther. Listen, I I, I agree with you. I I think that this price for who he is and what he's been, and like I don't hate good. the guy. I, I'm I hope he succeeds. I hope I really do. Like the,
1: there's not like this wasn't. It's not as bad as like when they signed Yando and I was like puke. This is never going. Like this was just. It's you know, not the
0: Trochek trade either.
1: Uh, no, no, because it's not. It's because, you know, the the this is better than doing nothing. And the Trochek trade is, all accounts, it probably, given that they were going to be going into the play
0: in hindsight, blah, 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 they should have done nothing. Well, uh, I mean, we didn't quite know there was going to be a earth-shattering or, global pandemic. Or, I mean, no, the
1: only, the only reason to make that trade was because you needed to change the locker room right in that moment and there's no there was no reason to do that once the season paused and there really wasn't even if there wasn't the pause of the season there was really no rush to do it because it's not like the Panthers were in the position they are today which is why today's talent-esque response is more frustrating than usual talent-esque response because, you know, I mean, in many that.
0: regards, Dale Talon, they trade for Thomas Vanek. It you know, expected... They traded for Frank Petrano, well, Like Thomas Vanek is Gusev. That's, that's... In many ways, yes, that is correct. I agree I mean, with that.
1: You're getting a guy who's really toolsy, who can, with the space of the power play, can probably make it do the biggest damage, and maybe clicks with high-end talent, and you can get that. But if he doesn't, you're getting nothing out of him. Thomas correct. Vanek. Correct. Agree with you on that. And so, yeah, it's great. It was a freebie, yada, yada. But you paid a third for Montour, who is a worse Yandel. You know, you have Nudevara. Why aren't you playing him? Juleson looks like he went back to the IR from his conditioning stint. So I don't know if you're going to see Juleson again this season, which sucks because he was maybe the fourth best defenseman I've seen in the Jersey this year.
0: Uh, Yeah. So as, far as, playing,
1: as far as dangerous. playing the position, how we sh- how it should be played, and you know contributing in all three zones, no Juleson performed well.
0: Performed. I, listen, I don't disagree with
1: you. I don't disagree with you. But I mean, I I it would have been nice to see him. I mean, and I don't. Montour is the only trade that I thought was maybe not better than doing nothing. I would maybe would have preferred doing nothing just because you have the bodies, and I think Montour is just the body. Like I like giving
0: Kier. Like I think Kierstead talked a lot about that on this show yet because that happened since we've last done a show with with Matt
1: Kierstead. And decent signing, whatever they. He's not. He's not ever gonna, you know. Maybe he replaces Stillman's value. Maybe, maybe he's a more offensive Stillman. Okay, cool. Less physical, more offensive Stillman. But that's basically what you're looking at getting at him, and you're probably not getting it this year. But I would rather give that a shot than Montour for a third. If you're shipping out Hyman in the second or Heinemann or whatever in a second for Bennett.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have a and lot I'm not of the same thoughts are, you do. Like, I do.
1: And Montour whatever, I'll, I'm not going to nitpick that too much. I hope, But, like, I hope Q commits to sheltering him, using him for his shot, blah, blah, blah. But Florida has a lot of defensemen who are really lackadaisical with the puck and their puck management, their puck decision-making. They have a lot of defensemen – who need sheltering they have a lot and so that's a lot of juggling for q to do and q hasn't been good at doing that juggling at maintaining that juggling for
0: more than a couple
1: games uh well and so i'm kind of this is
0: one of those areas where i will agree with you because i was going to spend a good amount of time talking about the these last three games which have been well pathetic actually i think that's the best word to describe them they've been awful arguably the worst seven periods of the season the
1: only reason and, I, I don't I, – I've just had the Flyers like absolute pathetic fold-up tent, go home, uh, this lack of display of anything to compare it to. So I guess it, everything looks a lot better in that light.
0: It, that but, is correct because the fly well, – we'll talk about the Flyers in a bit. But, yeah, they folded up the tent and went home. Uh, the Panthers, I mean, they were going to have some struggles at some point. But, yeah, these last three games have been just – well, seven periods have been just pathetic. And I want to – and a lot of that's Quenville because going 11-7 and seven worked for a while. It clearly wasn't working after that game in Carolina and should not have been continued. Um, they're just cycling in guys on the, on the back end, but he's not willing to really bunch around with the lines when he needs yeah. to. I that mean, was the biggest issue for me was with... just – was not was not getting to making differences with line combinations. How they got more, stale. They needed to be changed. How more confident with bringing in the forwards they brought in? How confident are you that Q's
1: going to actually go to 60 and 12 forwards? I think it's happening tomorrow. Right, you but can't like, do you play think as- like, do you think it stays that way? I yes. mean, because to me, I don't I know. Do. I don't know if they have the bo- Like, they still don't know if they have the bodies to to do that and get scoring. And I think again. They're going to find themselves in the position where their best offensive guys right now are defensemen, and that keeps be, and that's because they go out looking for goals from their back end and defensive grinded out effort, compete, work harder, win battle forwards, and that re- results in having to ask your defensemen to do too much on scoring, and then because of that, you're asking your forwards to do a lot of the back checking. And then even the ones that can score
0: don't have the time, energy, or opportunity to score. I do want to. I do want to say because I just saw this cross. Uh, the Flyers got a fifth-round pick this year for Michael Roffle For what that's worth, I just did see that. That's not on. That's I mean, not on this current topic.
1: But. I like Michael Roffle a lot. If I like, I don't like. I don't know if Michael Roffle isn't better than Sam Bennett at that price. If I'm being honest,
0: mm, I want to go now to. You're, you're to talk getting, about
1: this, getting the same chance of, of goal scoring. At least Michael Roffel is going to be more consistent,
0: I think. But you know, I don't know. Let's let's go over line combinations and defense pairings, and and what you would do now that we know what this roster is heading into the playoffs. Because I think it's an important thought exercise now considering with the new players, the lines are going to have well, to be changed and the defense pairings are going to have to be changed. It, it's hard
1: to say because what is Q willing to commit to? Is he going to commit to using Montour a certain way? Is he going to commit to using Gusov in the top six and giving him that that time to find chemistry and to do well? Is he going to want to use Bennett in the right way? Or is he going to be just in the shuffle like, like Walmart will be, or like Wallstraining will be, or you know. Um, and what's he got, What's the plan with Tippett and everything? Is Tippett going to be sitting out every game? If so, why is he even here? Why did not they not trade Tippett and get some help for him now? Because how many more deadlines do we have to be told? They're unwilling to trade trade prospects and stuff. They're not plan what twenty eight, twenty nine? He he's almost got three kids, four kids. Playing t-
0: paying Boy. tuition bills by now. Come on, yikes! Uh, so let's let's focus on what you would do. You have this group of forwards. You have this group of defensemen. How do you structure this? Because I I want to hear what you have to say about this.
1: Well, I I, I think whether it's Huberto Barkov and Gusev or Verhegi, Barkov and Gusev. That's where you
0: start. Um, everything. I am one hundred percent on the same page. You have to start it. Gusev playing with Bark. I think you have to start Gusev playing with Barkov. Regardless. Try to get eight to ten goals the rest of
1: the regular season. That's the goal. Try to you know try to get him to maybe make power play two or power play one or one of the power plays get some momentum. Make the top six get some momentum. Uh, I don't think that you have another center that can carry all the weight at, that you need to shelter Grusev while still giving him the service uh, to use a soccer quote
0: um, or word uh, you're, you're, No, you're 100% right. I agree that, with you. Dadnoff and, and Grusev are very similar players and Dadanoff was hidden pretty effectively because Barkov was playing. And now you've got a guy who is very similar needs that sort of creativity and that dominance at the center position. I mean, somebody posted on Twitter, like, you looked at the numbers for that top line or, like, basically Duclair and Marchment, and you noticed that their numbers are not all that different. That, what, in terms of, like, expected goals and things of this nature, what that tells you is that it doesn't really matter who plays with Barkov or Verhage, they're going to get their shot, and they're going to look pretty good because you're playing with two really good players. And I agree with you. Gusev has to be on the top line tomorrow, well, Thursday, when they play their first game with him. And I think that's one way to get him going. It gets that top line, keeps it going, keeps that momentum, as you talked about. And it works because Barkov already has played with a bunch of players like that in his career. And I think that's the way you give Dukita Gusev confidence, because right now he probably doesn't have any. So I I 100% agree with you on that. Uh, What about your second line? I mean, this is where it gets to the question of what's Quinville
1: willing to do, because if it's up to Quinville, we know what the second line is going to be.
0: Huberto, I think it's got to be broken Wendberg, up. It's time. Hornquist. It's time to break it
1: up. And to me, that's Huberto up. That's putting Verhage in a second-line role and building the second line around Verhage. I don't know if they've made certain time on ice or top six commitments to Hornquist, so maybe Hornquist is stapled there. And maybe Verhage is enough with Verhage, Wemberg, Hornquist to, to freshen that up, and I'd be willing to try that uh, you know, as well um but i i think you put it you build a second round the second line around verhage um he can drive it enough to make up for the fact that your second line center is probably a third line center whether it's bennett or whether it's law or Wenberg or Achary or whoever you know they're Passable as a second line center, they they do good, but they just don't score at that second line level. Um, so I, I think you have what, to get what if Verhage. I brought,
0: what if I brought up to you either Verhage or Huberto, whoever you think that that second line left wing would be, Wenberg and Duclair.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think my next point was then having Duclair be the possession play driver of the third line uh in hopes of increasing the finishing uh you have vitrano and bennett um on that line and if you can get bennett to camp out uh in front of the net if you can get vitrano into the high slot and get him you know hot and cold and deal with that hot and cold streak he has I think you'll be fine, and hope that Duclair picks up his shooting percentage a little bit. You know. Um, yeah,
0: but I, um, I mean, if one of the things we were talking about with, with with Bennett earlier was needing a play pucks.
1: driver. Yeah, if he's right. going to keep wrapping pucks, if he's going to keep driving pucks wide, wrapping around the neck net and everything, that gives Sam Bennett time to get down the ice and camp out in front, be in that low slot, high crease area, and put pucks away if he wants them.
0: It's up to him at that point to beat uh, out the defender. I agree with you. I, I think that you need to play yeah. a puck driver, like a play-driving winger, like a Verhage or a Duclair, when you have a guy like Sam Bennett with his particular skill set, and that would elevate his skill set. I I agree with you, and I I, I like Duclair because I, I think they I
1: Duclair could do that for the second line if he was having a higher rate of efficiency on his own chances. But this is this is definitely true. Verhage and him play. I want to break him and Verhage up because they play similar, uh, and Verhage's just finishing his chances more this year than Duclair. I'm not saying that one's better hockey player than the other. I I don't want to make that judgment on this year, Uh, but but they both drive play similarly to me, and one's a little hotter this year than the other. I I put Verhage on second line,
0: Duclair on the other. I I I said, now with the players that you have on this team, I agree with you that you don't need to have them on the same line.
1: Yeah. And I I think I want to see rotation. Like, I want to see Tippett rolling into this lineup. And I don't care if he rolls into this lineup on the first, second, or third line. But when he's there, you know, I I think you got to tell him his job is to
0: score goals. Not before before Gusev was signed. I was very high on your your, a point that you mentioned a while back that they should be putting Tippett on the top line. I I
1: don't I think at this point you've got to stop this two way hockey crap. It's not going to work. Don't in him. Don't make him become try to become something that he's not going to be. Make him the best thing of what he can be, and then if it's you don't want him move on from him, and Tippett is one of the only players on this roster who, when he gets the puck, sees the open net with his head up can, can rip it off his toe before the goalie can react. And it could give you an extra two or three goals versus playing us, you know, overplaying Bennett in a top six role and not maybe giving him better third line minutes to, 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 you know, play against or, you know, God forbid, playing Mason Marchman, and who would not be in my starting lineup, top 12 at at all. Um, I know at some points he he shows IQ um, in winning puck battles, in poking pucks ahead and keeping plays alive. He's good at that, uh, and he skates somewhat well, or at least it looks somewhat well on TV, so I understand why fans really like him. But again, he's another guy who... Like Lamico is probably somebody who's best to rotate into a lineup. Uh, be hundred percent, hundred percent. You are and, correct, and it's it's nice that they brought in bodies to to replace Lamico and stuff. But I mean, end end of the day, Lamico and Bennett and Lost and Marchman and all stuff might all be about the same when it comes down to... I think Bennett's got more
0: upside than the other three, but right right now... What
1: I'm saying, it it, it wouldn't surprise anybody if they all basically have the same effect on the scoreboard um, as each other. Oh, I I agree with you. That that, that sounds... The only person in that bottom six I really have faith in is Achari.
0: And a Noel Achari... Well, The, the thing is, I think the thing with Noel Achari that is what... Noel Achari knows what he is and he does what he is supposed to do very well.
1: Well, and he's also – the coach knows what he is, and the coach uses him how he should be, as in he's the guy who is going to be defensively responsible, drive, you know, set a tempo for his line, and finish his chances when he gets them. And when he gets an opportunity to step up, he prepares prepares the right way and takes advantage of, of it the right way, and he can finish his chances. Florida has nobody who can finish their chances. Achari's is one of the few that, if he gets the puck on the back door with like a couple seconds in his g- left in the game, I'm not thinking, "Oh shit," I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm thinking that's going to be a goal because it's Achari.
0: He he knows what to do within that situation, and he's as evidenced by the fact that he has more hat tricks in his career than Austin Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring that up. Yeah, um, who has more? So, for- so if you if you have an ideal third line, what would you be what would you be throwing out? I mean, I guess it
1: involves probably Tippett, Bennett, and Duclair. Okay, at this point, and then your fourth line is Achari,
0: Luostrianen, and Walmart, or Lomico, or Vitrano or I don't know. Yeah I mean it it's it's rotate but just a bunch of guys that's just rotatable.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't I I don't mind moving Hornquist down to the
0: third line and getting and you know, I think like there is the potential just, if you really wanted to have like a grinder kind of line, you could do it with a guy like Hornquist down there. Um, I understand why you'd keep him on the second line to me I I would be thinking about moving him. Um, for that yeah, reason, Florida, but Florida however, his game competes have with Sam in a way that doesn't really mean they mesh. so. Yeah, I mean, I wish, I
1: wish Florida had more forwards that separated themselves into the top six than a bunch of me, like, mealy, middle six guys, who are, you know, good at certain things and everything, but the one of the things they aren't good at is scoring <laughs> or consistently or, you know, scoring to the level of a top six
0: player. You're, well, when you, again, look at who they're going to go up against. It's either Tampa or Carolina in the playoffs. Maybe they're lucky they get the Predators, but let's assume it's Tampa or Carolina. I mean, you're going up against a second line that involves, for the Lightning, that's going to involve, yeah, again, Brayton Point probably is your Guys, top line center, but it's going to involve scorers carolines and, gonna involve scores, and and what I've been
1: saying since going into the season, and and this talk of leveling up, and and trying to get Tippett and Denisenko going over the course of the year. So they were the big trade deadline acquisitions of skill, because I you know you know it's hard to to shake loose these guys. But Zito put himself into this position. Quim he let his coach Quinville put himself into this position, and you know the end of the day Florida needs to have guys who can put up goals in the same way that Carolina and Tampa will have because Florida doesn't have their star player Barkov, who may be a better center than either of those teams or better player than either of those teams can ice depending on how Kucherov comes back or I should say forward that either team can ice depending on how Kucherov comes back. Um, you know, that's something. That could win you a series if you surround him with talent. But you're surrounding him with guys who would be on Tampa's third line. On well, Carolina, where was Verhage? Boy, did he play line. in Tampa. Right, yeah. I mean, you're giving him third line, maybe maybe second line, or at best, good second line talent.
0: Uh, other than on when his he, I guess other than when he plays with Hubert, you, Yeah. You're giving
1: Wenberg, frankly, better wingers than Barkov. And – that's because they have to do that to get any sort of goal, goal balance and blah, blah, blah. But those are positions they put themselves in. Not just because that's how it was left when Quinville and Zito got here, but because of decisions they
0: made. You know, Quinville Listen, wanted I, I have not been happy with Quinville's forward yeah, deployment Quinville wanted games. hit a
1: Quinville, you have to think Quinville asked for Henestrosa to be brought in, doesn't use him, wastes a million dollars. And they have to go back to Walmart. Not that Walmart is going to be considerably that much better. But, uh, you know, they could have – you know, we, we didn't get talked about Hepo Niemi, but in my dream scenario, Hepo Niemi is in the bottom six because he deserves to be there more than a lot of guys we've talked about, more than some of the guys they brought in. And, I mean, I want, I'm going to root for this team. This is one of the only times we've talked about that they – that I can plan on them being in the playoffs. Of course I want it to work out, but I got to say I'm unimpressed with the last, one of the last trade deadlines before Barkov's manageable cap hit disappears, before Huberto's manageable cap hit disappears, before Toronto and Boston come back into the division. Uh, uh, Two teams – that along with Tampa Bay, they know how to make use of the deadline. Whatever you want to say about it, they're constantly improving their team over the course of the deadline. Uh, and Florida either needs to figure out a way to go in the seasons and make use of the off-season, where they're not coming up short for goals or they're not coming up multiple spots in the lineup short or where they need improvement like they are again this year. Uh, or they're going to have to figure out how to make it work at the deadline because, you know, the simple matter of fact is if you want them to win, if you want them to have success, there's certain things they have to do, and those things are get skill into the lineup, get goals into the lineup, take chances, trade away picks and prospects, and, you know, play with the big boys,
0: and that's what they have to do. Before we talk about the rest of the trade deadline, I do want to get your defense core opinions. And again, I'm going to ask you for what you do with the defense core that they have. Because the other thing that I have to say is, when they play Brandon Montour, and they're going to, I think I saw the stat on Saturday on the the broadcast, they will have used, I think, 13 defensemen this year? 13 guys have played an NHL game this year? It's
1: a misleading stat, though, because a lot of, you know... Noah Juleson is one of them, got two games, has been hurt. I get hurt. And then keeper
0: played a game. I understand that. but Yeah.
1: And then, you know, Kirsten's – Kirstead has been fed games and everything, but it's been with seven guys. Knoten's gotten some games, but, I mean, let's be honest. No. That was half a favor,
0: half, you know, other things. It's, it's but, one I of mean, those things where Bill Zito's like, I know this guy. I know what he's going to be able to do if I need him in a pinch.
1: Right. And it, it's worked enough. But it wasn't the type of rotation we talked about, so yes, that they use 13d that sounds like oh they've you know they're trying everything, but it's been
0: less that than kind of chaotic usage uh, I, I would I say in recent games when they get when they have played poorly, the defensive usage has been very chaotic and I want to get your what is your top six how would you say I, I
1: don't I don't know, dude. Like what cuz I'm just trying to get, go based on what Quinville's even going to or you know, old Samuelson's even going to want to ice. Like is like I would probably play Marcus Nuvar a lot more than they are. I definitely would. Keith Yandel
0: if when we got to the playoffs, Iron Man Streak or not, Keith Yandel would not be playing. You know, I wanted to bring that up, too, and I, th- I appreciate you bringing that up because the only reason why Keith Yandel's playing right now is his Iron Man streak, and we know that because Quenville's benched and him in third period. He's,
1: he's gotten to the point where if he was chemo teaming in, like I don't like if the ownership't if the ownership wouldn't stop it from
0: happening, Quinville would have sat Yandel All right. 100 percent, he would have been scratched by now. But here's the one thing that I do know. Your Ironman streak doesn't carry over to the playoffs. I don't think it does, at least, according to the stats book. So I've been thinking about it. Like, I, I think there is a legitimate scenario in the series against so. Carolina or Tampa where they scratch him. I think – I mean, I, I think
1: my top six, he would never see the ice. My top six,
0: I mean, a lot – my top six is a six, by the way. It's not a seven. No, it's no, no, 11. no. I'm saying We're six because 10. I don't think you could get away with 11. Like, Tampa did 11 and seven because they're Tampa. You're not the Lightning. So, right. I, I'm going with six as well. I mean, so- Uyghur and Forsling don't look too bad. But my, I,
1: I would – you have to have Weger on the right side. That That's a, a thing now uh, because you have enough bodies on the left side. And you have to replace that 25 minutes on the right side that you missed. And Montour is not going to do it. So Absolutely. It has well, to be You eager. saw what
0: happened when he played yeah. brutal minutes in Buffalo. He was garbage. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, your, your right side is Uyghur.
0: Uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, a hard question because I don't have an answer I mean, either. Because if you're yeah. asking me right now,
1: I would I tell I knew you more three about players Keeper who would at be the in the that NHL. top six. I wish I knew more about Brady Keeper at the NHL. I wish I knew more about, like, Marcus, like, Nudavar would probably play. I mean, I got time for Lucas Carlson. Uh, I got time for a decent amount of these guys, but none of them are guys that I'm, like, dying to play every day. The only guy I really want to go to bat for is on injured reserve. is Noah Juleson and the guy that I've been going trying to right for, for who I years. would think
0: that they if, if I'm going right now for who I think that, what I think they do boy it's hard i mean i would
1: use the rest of the regular season to quickly figure out who who are going to be your set that is
0: that is priority but number 1 to me for these final games who
1: and who are who are definite people who don't get scratched Uyghur
0: there are, there are three. Weeger, Forsling. Uyghur, Forsling and Gutis are the only three. I would say Montour Well, uh, and I would well, say I, I think so Montour could get too. scratched if things go badly. I mean, when when yeah. he gets to the Panthers, he's I mean, going to play, but I think he could be scratched. If it, too.
1: Was, if it was just me, it would be Forsling and Uyghur and Jules if healthy, but that's it.
0: I think Gudis is good enough to where he wouldn't be. Uh,
1: to me, Gudis is not because every time Gudis handles a two-on-one, it's a goal against because he slides in the stupidest way possible and screws everything up, or play, or play. You know, just he's not good on odd man rushes. Who would you put Montour with? Who would I put Montour with? I think you either if you don't if you're not dead set on keeping. Mackenzie Weegar on the right side, like I am, you put him with Weegar because you and you only, you know, you have Weegar play with two partners. You have Weegar play with Montour and you have Weegar play with Forsling, or and you get, you give him his 28 minutes or whatever that way because let's be honest, that's what it's going to take. um Yep. And, you know, I, I think that's how you do it. You, you, you get six guys who can kind of play with the, a couple different players, because that's what they are, a bunch of bodies. And you ride horses, and you, you figure Uyghurs are horse, Forsling's a horse. They're going to see if is a horse, but then they always have a goodish strawman, maybe Yandel if he goes hot or whatever. They have a bunch of guys who have played 20 minutes
0: consistently before. You're you like asking those me who backs, I think he's going to play with when he, he comes into the lineup? I think he plays with Gudis. I, I think you're right. I mean... Well, because when Gudis played with Yandel earlier in the year, we talked about having to babysit Keith Yandel because he can't do much five-on-five well, that, five anymore.
1: That's who, that's who Samuelson and Quenville have been using to babysit everybody, whether it's Matt Kierstead's first couple NHL games, whether it's Keith Yandel to start the season when they wanted to sit him, whether it was Forsling off the bat and Juleson off the bat, or, um, you know, going back to Yandel <laughs> when he's playing yep. bad. You know, that's not surprising. I think you see a Lucas Carlson, Racco Gudis pairing a game or two um, as well. Uh, I I don't know. But, I mean, like, all of these are six of one, half a dozen of the other defensemen to me. Like, I see positives and faults in all their games, and it's like, what 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 jigsaw puzzle are they trying to put together? To me, you know, I'm trying to tell Forsling maybe to now that you have Montour and you know Montour is going to be leaning, you're leaning into Montour's shooting and goal scoring to get the third round draft pick value out of him. I would tell Forsling that he's played well enough defensively and everything not to spend so much time doing loops in the offensive zone. You're telling him to raid it in, Soldier? Well, yeah, because now he's not going to be playing with Wegar as much. You're going to have to pick your spots. When you're with Wegar, when you get your minutes
0: with him, obviously do it. When you don't, dial back a bit. I mean, bit. when he was playing with Gutis, you could get away with it. I mean, when you have that sort of defenseman who allows – you know what but I think for his link to do his I his think he's going to be needed to play with
1: either Yandel or Strawman or Montor or you know I think he's going to be playing with those types of guys Kierstead, where he's going to have to step up and take on a new role just because he's one of the D that Quinville trusts the most at the end of the day
0: Like, it's so funny that we look at a world, and it's such a shame that Eckblad's hurt, but we look at a world in which the second most trusted defenseman on the Florida Panthers is Gustav Forsling.
1: Yep. And and it's true.
0: I said said it when he was brought in, same
1: as I said when Juleson was brought in, that they were one of the better defensemen on this team. Like,
0: just on paper. I mean, you weren't doing that because you wanted to be facetious and you wanted to be a troll. You were also Correct. Yeah, I mean, I I I wasn't. It's
1: just, I mean, you, like Gudas is Strawman. You know, he's gonna turn into Strawman soon. He's but he, when Strawman plays well, he's Gudas playing well. When Gutis plays bad, he's Strawman bad. I mean, uh, it's not a shock that Forsling and Juleson Raybert
0: out achieve them and Yandel and. Now we're looking well, then at... We, Brand- we talked about Brand- it at the start of the season. It showed just how little Bill Zito and Joel Kengel liked the defensemen see, that they had.
1: Why, why I was so gun ho about not taking, you know, keeping a solid pr- amount of pressure on the gas pedal is because I think even with a decor like this, you can win a series against Carolina or Tampa Bay. I think, you know, you look at some of the decors that have gone deeper... That have won a cup. I mean, the
0: Penguins' decor that won the cup a couple years ago was, was a comedy.
1: Correct. And, and I'm not saying that they're going to win a cup or they should be, you know, aiming to win a cup. But I think Ekblad being out was a lot better than a couple forward. You know, like there's a, like if I think it, it's not great. I mean, Ekblad is a very good player and like great player, but. Barkov is healthy. Barkov's playing
0: good enough
1: to win a series if you can give him the right support. You, do, do I think that I this roster is constructed can
0: win a series? I I agree with you. I it will take things happening, but I think they can win a series. I don't think there's any doubt that but you know the one even thing if match him up against Carolina or Tampa. I'm not saying they can't.
1: Here's here's what they did. They he here's what Zito did. He gave Quinville a bunch of guys to squeeze and maybe get enough juice out of if you can catch lightning in a bottle and press the right buttons and all of that. My own my concern about doing uh, about all that is that's the one aspect of Florida's game this whole year I think has been lacking lacking is Quinnville's ability to do just that. And I think it's a big reason why they started you know, I was gonna write an article for our
0: Substack when I was listening to a podcast, Story of the I, year. It was the I was going to write an article for the Substack. Uh, I'm sorry. I should be writing more no, articles No, no, I'm talking too. About
1: me too.
0: I mean, it's uh, nice. we, we both should. But I was going to write an article for the Substack a while back, and it was when it was talk about Joel Quenville winning the Jack Adams because the Jack Adams is always a team that we didn't expect to be good to end up being good. And Florida fits that. Yep. Even though yep. that's not how the Jack Adams should work. Personally, I mean, Barry Trotz has been more impressive. Rod Brindamore has been more impressive. Dean Ebbison has been more impressive to me. I was going to write an article about how Joel Quenville last year was actually doing a better job coaching than this year because last year's roster was so demonstrably worse than this one, whatever you want to say about the additions that they made. Like, he was playing Mike Matheson and Mark Pesic at forward. He was getting blood out of the stone as much as he possibly could, and this year has proved it. Well, this year he's... I, I,
1: I don't want to say he's more closed minded or he's got blinders on more or something
0: like that. But he's, I, he's been more stubborn this year than he has what he was. There's last
1: been year. less experimentation. There's been less uh, I I believe this can work. I'm going to sell it to the guys and hype them up and find a
0: way to motivate them into making it work. And one of the only I, couple ones we saw this year was Mason Marchment on the top line and Getting Acharya a hat trick. But Mason Marchman on the top line, I think, is, is a negative. I don't know if I'd call
1: that a positive. Well,
0: I'm saying, like, he, he yeah. in the in the idea of, hey, guys, I'm going to build this up. I'm going to get you motivated, right. right? Like, last year, it was Mark Pesek playing as a forward. It was Noel Acharya has consecutive hat trick. It was Mike Matheson playing as a forward. It was a whole bunch of random things that happened, right? But I think like, he did
1: a better job of moving Dadanov up and down the lineup than he do- has done with Duclair or Hagee. I think he's, you know, I think that there's things like that. I, as, I, I think he did a better job of making sure Huberto wasn't basically a pack mule for the team and allowing
0: Huberto to fill the net. He, I, I as I said, like last year, as I thought he'd to he, that Quenville did a better job getting blood out of the stone as much as yeah. this I, year he has. I, I, that's yeah, that's I, how I, I would put it.
1: I, I think Quenville, you know, that second line blew up and it was so good. I think Quenville thinks that there's no reason he can't get a portion of that back again. Maybe not, you know, Huberto leading the league in points in a month or whatever, but he thinks he can get that back to a second line production level. And I think maybe that's true if you go away from it for a little bit and maybe, and then come back to it or something. And I think last year's Quinville would have realized that by now and have already worked his way back to that
0: second line. And they'd be, there was no game that was more emblematic of your point than Saturday. No game more emblematic of your point than Saturday, which Quenville said it was their worst effort of the year. I don't think it was their worst effort of the year. I think it was one of their worst games of the year. To be but fair, was... he couldn't say he couldn't realize what would happen next game. Ah, well, true. Um, but I, I agree with you. So I hope that that gives you an idea of where we think this team stands in the next. Uh, well, as they on I mean, to it, figure out where they're going to be.
1: Yeah,
0: but in the standings, and looking
1: looking into. They have ten million in they had ten million in cap space left left over. Um and they have a lot of cap space in the off season and I and I think the if it doesn't work out this season, obviously Zito and Quinville will as far as I'm concerned, will bear the most of the brunt and they'll have an off season to really figure out make make good uh, on and on, trying to get Barkov signed and, and proving to him and, and a lot of players that this around the league that this team is serious about winning,
0: like really serious about winning. Because well, we say every off is the it's most important, super but hard, when I yeah. when I say that next off is the most important in the history of the Florida yeah, Panthers, and I-
1: it's hard to make trades in the off season too. Everyone thinks like everyone talks about how it's so easy to make moves in the off season, yet the Panthers don't really ever do it either. Then too, so. You know, like the moves that Zito made in the offseason were similar to the moves he made at the deadline. They just worked out because Hornquist went on a bender really well. We think, you know, Matheson was so bad. So that's like, oh my God, it's a huge and win. And everybody, and, and listen, yeah. I, and, I mean, like, Duclair, played
0: really well. Verhage's I really enjoyed NPC player. Really well, but, you know,
1: I, to be honest with you, Vehagie is anybody they put get, that they gave that much time with Barkov. Would pl- should play that well.
0: If you're, if you are what they say you are, that that should be. I'm true. saying that with Gusev, too. Um, I, I right. am now yeah. officially going to call it the Barkoff Car Wash. <laughs> yeah, and he because he makes everybody look better. He, it, it is that is the, again the testament to, like elite level athletes is when you play with them they make you look better beyond what you on your own are te- are in theory capable of. Right, Like, and, he's done that with so many players. And I don't and, understand why that wasn't utilized a little more.
1: Um, and I don't understand why Duclair goes from first to the fourth line and really nothing in between. Why, why they don't realize, okay, Duclair's not scoring, but he's doing this other stuff. And if we put him with a guy like Achari or Vetrano or now like a – a, a bennett or you know maybe if we put him with the cornquist on that line or something the rebound chances would go in more at least mm-hmm. well, at, at, like that's t- like i don't think this is a bad team i don't like even after these trades i don't think they're a bad team they're, they're i'm not super comfortable with them i'm not super confident with them but i think that they still have a chance to win a series in the playoffs and they just gotta go out and work for it they gotta get creative and they got to use the rest of this regular season uh, to, the to one figure of out. This
0: regular season that we have is that a lot of them are still against Carolina and Tampa, and yeah. not a lot of them are against Detroit, which would have been nice you to have, have at the back to... end of the season.
1: Unfortunately, now they have to figure out how to score and how to play down the stretch, playoff hockey. When you were hoping that they figured out, You know, the scoring. Those games against Carolina were the biggest uh,
0: evidence to me that they are not yet ready to play playoff hockey the way you need to play to win games in the playoffs. Because Tampa certainly knows how to do it. Carolina does. Well, I mean, it's not... Well, a playoff-type game, I think I should say.
1: Are... Yes and no. I mean, like, I don't want to say that. I think they are ready. I think that there there were parts of this year that show that they're ready. I think that when they get in the games where the bench management and that leadership, and, you know, attitude reflects leadership, when that isn't there, when it's treated as a regular season, when they phone it in on afternoon games and stuff, I think that stems from a larger issue. And I don't think that's saying that the players aren't ready for it. I think what's saying is the team's not prepared for it. And that's how I see it, at least. And there's no reason that that should happen. And that there's no reason um, that they're not practiced, that they're not, you know, coached and molded into a team that plays that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, listen,
0: some of your Quinville criticism I thought in the past, I didn't disagree with it, but I thought it was a tiny bit mountain out of a molehill. But then I watched the games against Carolina and Dallas, and I was like, okay, Tommy was right. Because those were the games I was the most frustrated I've been with Joel Quenville. What
1: what happened to Florida? They were doing, like, they had it. They had that Hornquist, we'll keep calling it the Hornquist mentality because they kept attributing it to Hornquist's arrival of the expecting to win the hockey games, of doing the battle, of battling, and that's when they were coming back. And obviously, that wasn't sustainable. We all knew that and said it at the time. But, you know what happened was I I, I think they started not going into games against Chicago and Detroit and everything running lineups and, you know, keeping jobs competitive and making those games uh, have an atmosphere of balls to the wall all the time. And I think that stems from the coaching staff, from general, you know, from not utilizing the lineup, not doing the things we talked about and from those losses against teams that they should have won, that they took their foot off the pedal, pedal and things like that, that turned into losses against Carolina against Dallas against you know,
0: that started to mean more that start to raise flags. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is as good a discussion as we can give you until we see how this team starts playing. Um, when this now really all are really trying pieces to play, talk please what i'm just really well, trying to avoid this flyer's talk well i want to mention just briefly how it has i don't want to give you too much that's why i waited an hour eight by the way i i apologize this is one of the few times and i hope some of you are still listening at this point in the podcast maybe i'll, I'll edit something in at the top um we are going to have chris peters on the show friday talking prospects talking spencer Knight, talking a bunch of other great things and it's one of the few times that I can say we have a guest scheduled before when we're recording another show. So if you want to tweet uh, some questions to us at Why Hockey at Matt's Music One, what you'd like to ask Chris Peters, please, we will try to ask them on the show on Friday. I'm very excited to have Chris on. Obviously, one of the best people when it comes to young players and evaluating young players that we have out there. Uh, I'm sorry I should have mentioned that off the top, but I didn't do that. Sam Bennett kind of distracted me from that. Um, in just in general, uh, with the rest of the trade deadline. I know you don't want to talk too much about the Flyers, so I'm going to save you <laughs> We can. That. No, 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 we can. Yeah, that was, that was, that was not fun. Um, but the East Division, I think the Flyers made the right decision in kind of saying, yeah, m- might as well just pack it in, guys, see I, you in the fall. I, I would have traded Scott Lawton. If he
1: was so adamant about coming back and making that, uh, I don't know.
0: He would have found your way back to him. Well, it's like if Lino's willing to go back to Columbus, why wouldn't Scott Lawton be willing to come back to the Flyers? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just
1: it felt to me like uh, I I said for a while they need to pick their horses, but not like that. <laughs> five years is probably, uh, I, and I don't mind the guy. I mean, there's a lot of Flyers fans my brother included that really like this guy that want him
0: to be a flyer for Would you have five traded years? for Scott Lawton over Sam Bennett? Yes. That's what yeah. I thought your answer would be. I mean, it's about half a
1: dozen I mean, I I think it would have taken the same package to get both. I think the fly since looking like it would have taken basically the equivalent of two seconds to to get the well, and out of Philadelphia. Um, maybe a little more because obviously they like the player enough to sign that extension. I don't think Calgary is signing that extension with Bennett. So uh, No. So I, I think, you know, again, I can't believe they paid that for Bennett. But whatever, It's it happens. Uh, I hope he scores a ton of goals and just – I hope he proves us wrong. I, yeah. I mean, and again, I don't think it's proving us wrong. I mean, in his draft year, I thought – Listen, I, I didn't like him in where he was being put to draft, but I also thought his whole pull-up thing was a little overblown. Uh, I, I tweeted from Y-Hockey when we traded for him, you can't pull, in, you can't pull up or chin up uh, the puck into the net. Um, a <laughs> little good, Mike good, Richards. Quote. I forgot
0: about that with Sam Bennett. Good pull. Good pull. Yeah, um, um, but, you know, like,
1: I, I, I want him to do well. I want Montour to do well, too, enough. But I I just you if I'm bad. if I'm Barkov, there's like you know, if I'm Barkov, I don't see anything super positive from this trade deadline other than they continue to give me enough shot within the ownership's comfort level. And with on the flyers, it's they sold enough to tell me that I guess that they understand where this team's headed this season, but I don't think they sold – I don't think they made moves enough to tell me that they've really figured out what ails this team and the moves they have to make because they jumped in the bed with Scott Lawton for five years.
0: That's, that's, that's the kind of thing. It's like they said to the, the marketplace, we are going to – we're not tearing this down. It's not going right. to be anything like that. But right. But we're still selling because we know we're not good enough. Right. So and, it's again – I, I mean, listen,
1: I'm not I'm not t- tying up Scott Lawton before I take care of some other pieces. That's, that's all I'm saying. I mean, Scott Lawton doesn't have anywhere to go. I, obviously, if he's willing to sign this contract now and you're willing to sign this contract now, you guys are willing to play out the rest of the year and see what happens at the draft, right? I guess so. You know, like I, I really didn't. I don't really see the issue. Maybe they could say this doesn't really, you know, Scott Long getting three million dollars for five years doesn't impact either which way what happens. But uh, they have a lot of forwards. They have a lot of defensemen. They have a lot of prospects, and half of them need to go, frankly. Mm-hmm. And ha- and the coaching staff, most of them, if not all of them, need to go. Well, and,
0: I, I definitely think Vino's assistants are getting canned yeah. after this but, season. I mean, they they have to decide
1: to the level of whether it's a retool and Giroux's part of that retool, or if it's a complete rebuild and Giroux's not a part of that. Well, like,
0: it's are they one doing what, in essence, 2. the Panthers did this off season where they retooled around the guys they had, and it worked? Right. But is that what the Flyers are going to try to do? I think, I mean, I think that before the expansion draft, the Giroux family is going
1: to give the Flyers their idea of what they want to do for their next contract and if florida if not florida if philadelphia is in their plans he has one year at 8.2 he, this would be the year to get any you know trade him in the off season let him you know have a year with the team and decide, see if he wants to sign there or not or if he's committed to whatever path for uh philadelphia wants finding that number that makes it happen but, mm-hmm. I mean, Giroux, the only problem is acting like Giroux is the guy for Philadelphia. He's not the guy. He's that secondary help on the offense and that guy who has that playoff leadership and experience that you don't have to add at the deadline. Um, that's what Giroux is now, and you just have to deal with it. He's 33, and he has a ton of injuries to his groin, and he's 5'10 at best anyway. So he's that's got just, a lot of miles on that clock. Yep, he's already performed really at a high level and was the guy for a lot of playoff runs, In a including of years. years don't when remember, they football. were a what? Yeah. What was it?
0: A he had a hundred plus points or something like that.
1: Right, and I mean, I think check has gone. No matter what, you you have a Kevin Hayes, and I don't know what you do with Kevin Hayes, but that was it worth yet last year for. I mean he had a great year last season. It was great. Yeah, but is he what do you want to do with that? He can say no to 12 teams. But other than that, you can trade him. So, can can you get some team to want him? What about Nolan Patrick? Nolan Patrick I think is going to be gone. I mean, I think I think that's one of the things they're going to I I think there's a good chance me has gone. I think there's a good chance one of Myers and Sandheim is gone. I think Go to Despair is going to be gone too. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's time to clear out. I don't know why they couldn't do a little more now, um, but we'll, we'll see.
0: I want to get into I, I some also, other.
1: I also think, last thing, is it's completely as much as I said they should do all that stuff. It's probably more likely that they literally set this up and say coronavirus year plus Hart just wasn't in it. You know, if he if so he's good, we're You fine. think
0: it's also very possible they just run it back next year.
1: Yeah. Maybe they change one of the assistant coach, like they fire Michelle Terrion and they hire somebody else who's a Michelle who could be Michelle Terrion basically in a mask. You know what I mean? Yes. I think it's very possible they do that. And they say it's the last year of Giroux. We give it all we got. And 2022, 2023 have good draft picks. Well, you always
0: have been texting me about how good the 23 draft is going to be. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what
0: <laughs> if, when it blows up for Florida, it'll be that year at least. That's, <laughs> um, that's I wonder, what I text you about all the time. <laughs> this is what he does text me about all the time in case you're wondering what it's like behind the scenes. A couple of things, trade deadline, I think we want to talk about. Uh, just before we, we wrap this up, I, I was expecting there to be very little to talk about because this is a trade deadline of the pandemic, but then the Red Wings and Capitals decided to make a very interesting trade. Uh, perhaps the most interesting trade we've seen in a long time. Um, and this is kind of, I think in a sense why the flyers are like, yeah, man, let's, let's pack this up. We'll, we'll see you next year. Um, what did you think about that trading for Anthony Mantha for um, Jake Varana, Panic a first and a second. That's, it is one of the most fascinating trades I think we've seen. in a while. Well, i mean
1: that lets me know that there are other teams bidding on Matha. Uh, i don't think that that's a guy who's in the first year of a contract that owes him you know his cap hits five five for like four or five more years or something like that it's a sizable contract to trade at the deadline so usually that comes at a discounted rate um Especially for a rebuilding team like Detroit, or rebounding, or retooling, or whatever Steve Osman wants to sell, because he can probably flip this really quick. <laughs> but anyway, you know, Verona's really good. If Verona, if I knew Verona was available, there's a, I would trade Tippett and and a, and Heinemann for Verona. You know, if yep. if I knew that was possible, I think. Hundred percent. He does stuff. He. He, if he was given the minutes Bennett's going to give, you know for a fact he can do very well in the playoffs in those minutes. And if you look at the advanced stats and the eye test, and you would project out in even better minutes, like maybe, say, with Gusov and Barkov on the first line, get, letting you do Verhage, Huberto, and, Wendberg, you know, a better second line, a better third line, all that. Uh, you know, Verona could really clean up and, and make, and be a real steal at the deadline. And and that's what I talked about when I said, you know, I can name a bunch of people who I would like for the Panthers to trade for, and you can then give me a bunch of reasons why the Panthers, that are totally reasonable, wouldn't get them or couldn't get them. But at the end of the day, Jacob Verona was shucked loose in a Mantha trade. At, at the last minute, when no one thought Mantha or Verona would be on the move, it comes, you know... It, there was a
0: price to be paid. Washington paid it, and Detroit got some good players out of it. That's, now, it's, maybe, it's a really good trade for the Red Wings because they get a, a guy in Verona you can build around now. You got Honick, right. who is perfectly reasonable, and, and you got draft picks. And the, Red, and the and the Capitals got a guy who is going to absolutely blow up for them. He's going to yeah. be great.
1: Yeah, and—, and
0: you can say, okay,
1: well, maybe Washington wouldn't have traded us Verona because they needed Verona for the Mantha deal. But maybe if you're you – know, it's, not, it's not impossible that over the course of weak negotiations with Detroit, it looked like that move wasn't going to work out. And if Florida is aggressive and submits a deal to get Verona – They move Rana before, and they have to, you know, figure out another way to get Manta, or they don't get Manta because of it. But still, Florida gets the guy. You know, the good GMs, which Zito may be, uh, the good GMs make things happen. And that's kind of what I was looking for Zito to do. He didn't do it. Now it could still work out, and he could still make something happen in this offseason at the draft. Um, but he's running out of time. He's running out of runway. And I, I'm i really happy that there was a trade like this on the deadline because Eiserman, I think, got good value for Mantha. Um, you know, there's a lot of Red Wings fans that are be upset that Mantha was traded. This is a guy who can fill the net, who's signed at a decent clip, uh, and is young enough to fit in with what Eiserman's doing. But they got a first-round pick. They got Barana. They got another body. They got a second-round pick or something like that too. I mean, it, it's hard to not see how Iserman can use that to make Detroit better.
0: Oh no! I mean, you're right. It's a it's it's a great trade for both sides. Yeah. And in that Washington, regard. I mean, I, I remember
1: thinking and, and talking on the podcast whether with you or O'Brien when the general manager was kind of hired as from the AGM to the GM, I thought it was just going to be a continuation of... Uh, George McVay? Yeah, and, and some of those types of trading. But I think Washington has done very well drafting, very
0: well trading, uh, they and do a getting good, good job value. Of keeping their window open and not selling their souls right. like Chicago did, like Pittsburgh is doing, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, this puts... This trade
1: puts Washington back in it, as far as I'm concerned. You just have to hope that their goalies hold up. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia caving, Pittsburgh didn't. I mean, listen. What did you I think gotta, of that, Jeff Carter to Pittsburgh? I, I look at our roster, and I know that he has another year left, I think, um, yes, in the contract. Correct. But I look at our roster, and I wouldn't hate Jeff Carter on our roster without considering anything else you
0: Panthers, obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Or, or you mean, the Avs, if we want to get at it. I, I thought, you know, that would have been a decent pickup for them. But I like what they did. They brought Soderbergh back. I thought that was a good move. They brought Nemeth Ab- back. Nemeth is somebody I wish the Panthers got. I thought that was maybe one of the best deals at the deadline. That was a really good price. A fourth for Nemeth is the type of move that every team – Wakes up and and wants to do. And when you think of defensive defensemen at the deadline, uh, Nemeth for a fourth is about the standard.
0: Mm-hmm. Hope. Oh, and and I and that's why I said I thought that Montour was an offensive. I, guy. I, I that's saw what I, mean.
1: that, I saw Detroit had something in the in the queue at the end, and I was hoping it was like Stetcher for a fourth to Florida or something, or Stetcher. We, we for mentioned
0: the- it. I wanted Stetcher.
1: Yeah, I, you know. Yeah. It, it would so, have been nice. Uh, Hayden Flurry uh, went from Carolina to Anaheim, in, in that trickle, as I always like to say, trickle in. Uh, yeah. Um, I you know if Hayden if I knew Hayden Flurry was available, that's something I would have done too. I don't think that they got anything back from Anaheim that's super special um, that we couldn't outbid. I, I don't know how people feel about Hayden Flurry or anything, but to me, that's somebody that fits that could help them this year and could would help them next year. Uh I like Diamark as a move for Vegas. Uh I know there's a lot of people and analytics and metrics whatever that don't look good for Janmark uh from Chicago and Dallas before that, but he's a Red Wings draft pick. He's done well for Dallas in big moments. He plays all three forward positions. I thought he's looked good for Chicago and this year and I would have taken him I would have taken him at that price uh I would have loved to have him thrown in with that deal with Chicago earlier or with Tennessee or something like that it's a,
0: it's a good move for Vegas they needed to find a way to match up with uh, with the abs and uh
1: yeah, and I, I'm surprised St. Louis didn't do anything. I'm surprised. Well,
0: I think the reason why the Blues didn't do anything is they've had so many injuries. There was a while where they were absolutely terrible, and then they started winning games again, and now like, it looks like they could get in as a fourth-place team. You don't I, want to go all in for that. I thought that they would maybe move out Hoffman for a
1: body they thought would be useful this year, whether they, it was good value or not. But it seems like they're not – from I mean I don't watch the Blues enough to really have confidence saying that th- this, but from what when I've seen the Blues, they don't treat Hoffman like somebody that they would rather keep around when they're heading into the playoffs first, trading him for a defenseman or forward that they would use more. But and I think you know th- there would have been. Like, a good example of that trade is the flurry to Anaheim. I think, you know, Anaheim got a defenseman that they can use this year and next year and everything, and flurry. And, you know, Carolina got a defenseman that they – a defensive defenseman that they think they can use this year. Uh,
0: I think the other – we have not talked about Taylor Hall to Boston. Um, Taylor Hall apparently only wanted to go to the Bruins. At this – at this
1: point, I'm happy that Florida didn't get Hall just because this guy seems like the biggest
0: idiot. Oh my God, he couldn't I think even he's, pass he's, the voting. He's kind exam. of stuck, and also you you gotta you gotta feel for the. Uh, I mean, I, I no, I,
1: but it just it, it seems like it's a it's a guy who him in Boston for whatever reason couldn't figure it out in the off season, and now heading into the trade deadline with his trade protection he was just focused on getting writing that wrong and that's how how it goes and after going to new jersey arizona and buffalo sometimes because you chose that it, it, it's
0: pretty hard after edmonton I all mean, those yeah, bad teams i mean think i mean congrats taylor you're going to play in the playoffs although this boston team like they're fourth in the division right now I mean, those East series, because the Isles added, you know, with Palmieri and Zajac, because Lou Amorello can only trade for guys he knows. Um, they just, they're going to beat the crap out of each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, unfortunately, Hall's
0: injury-prone. but uh, <laughs> Apparently so. And that does not help Boston in their current state of injuries. Uh, the, I have never seen a team, like, more decimated in one position than the Bruins are on that blue line. What a like is are all of their defensemen hurt Boston for the last couple of years have dealt with
1: a lot of injuries on their blue line and and I think under a radar just a decent amount of injuries up and down their lineup they've uh, always had injuries
0: because Pittsburgh's another team yeah Rask has played through a lot uh he's they, both of their goalies are out right now yeah. um Halak has covid I mean what a like we we we, I mean we've seen some teams like Dallas had all those injury issues this year, um, you know. But wow, Bruins! The Bruins are still going to make the playoffs through all that. And I think the thing that it it, it kind of like it, it hit me for the Bruins. It's like, you know, they definitely have to try to win to get Marchand and and Bergeron that chance. And Taylor Hall is a player that I think that they've always kind of needed. But I, you look at that that team and yeah. you go. We don't know what they'd look like if they're healthy because they haven't been healthy, and you don't know if they are going to be healthy. Yeah. But it's kind of I mean, like one of those. It, at a certain point, Florida has to get to that
1: level. Whether they're winning or not, you have, it has to be that Boston of, we need Marshawn and Bergeron to have talent. We need to give them this. Even if there's injuries, we need to give them this. If there's, you know, As long as they're
0: healthy and they're going, we need to stock the pool. Uh, it's the same them. thing that Pittsburgh's been doing with Crosby and Malkin yeah. for forever, and it's like, and it's it's what's Tampa. Tampa did it this year with David Savard because they know they have a chance to repeat. Um, you have Toronto did it with getting Nick Foligno, they did it because they know they have a chance. You know, like you you and Colorado kind of did it. Vegas did it in a little bit of a way. You know, like those are the kinds of moves as we talked yeah, about. Vegas it, teams always does it. who have that mindset of we have a chance to win, we're going to take it. You know, you want the Panthers to get into that position. And
1: I hope... Yeah, that- or just just the understanding of we have best-in-the-world players. It's, like, that's what I think is the most frustrating from my perspective, is I think there's a lot of teams that, like the Edmonton Oilers, another team that adds Kulikov and waves Kyle Torres and... What did they do? They have two players that are best in the world in a division that is
0: ripe for the taking. And they did not. Listen, nothing. I mean, like Edmund, like no. I mean, the Jets traded for Pierre Luc Dubois. So, I mean, I don't think the
1: Jets did enough either. I, I, Although, I, think they I don't think they did. You, I mean, obviously, right. I you don't hear me complaining about it on Twitter or this podcast that much because what do I care? But I, it, uh, to me, it's appalling that you have. Guys like Barkov Huberto, Dreisaitl, mcdavid uh in you know and some of the guys that Winnipeg has they have a pretty good team, and they are teams that never get to show and never get to really wind up and go for in the playoffs whenever they get into the playoffs for for whatever reason because their ownership lacks the imagination or the fortitude uh. To, to get it done whether it's the
0: ownership or the hockey ops front office. Uh, I think the most guilty of that this year was probably Edmonton and Winnipeg. Uh, Minnesota's another team, although that's a little bit more found money than um than all these other teams we're talking about cuz Minnesota well, didn't do anything, but I, I I mean but again
1: look forward to next year. Go b- Minnesota's going back into the central You know, they have a decent year. There's some teams that I think going back into their other divisions might make it harder than what they have this
0: year, and they didn't lean in. So I think you're right. Um, I mean, Ed, like when you look at it from that perspective, I looked at it from an Atlantic division perspective. I mean, look at what Toronto, Tampa, and Boston did this year and what Florida has to go back into next season. And Montreal did too, although Montreal is inferior to the Panthers right now. Um, In the East, I mean, Washington – pittsburgh islanders all loaded up you've got carolina who's going to be pretty dang good the rangers look like they're getting closer to being a good team you know i mean in that central I mean the abs are going to be there and the abs are always a you know they're a buzzsaw they, they do what they do you know in that in that area you've you've got i mean the, the central i can understand it because like behind colorado who else is like wow that that team is yeah. a buzzsaw you know, Minnesota, Winnipeg, St. Louis, they could all, I mean, theoretically get away with it. I mean, there's Dallas, too. but And Dallas has had a bunch of injuries, so I think. In yeah, many, I mean, Dallas
1: had, is one of the only teams that makes sense because, like, Sagan hasn't played yet this year. Bishop's Radulov's not really play. played. Yeah, like, a lot of their guys just aren't there. Um, and they've never been there, so they've never had that feeling of being in it. I think a team like Minnesota, they should have picked up a center maybe it's just only Carl Soderbergh or maybe, you know, like maybe they should have picked up Matthias Jan. Well, don't you Hart think that when
0: you're talking about a player like Kirill Kaprizov that you, you kind of you, – you view him in the same way you view a star on these other teams, like I, we got to give him a chance to win? I wouldn't say that he's a star in that way. and And the only
1: – I mean – I want to see him a little more. I think he is an explosive star in the same way that like Brock Besser is, or, you know, he can be that number two forward on a team. I I think, you know, they, they're getting a really good year out of Joel Erickson, Eck. uh, But I would have liked to see them get more center depth. They have a lot of guys who play center um, but I, I, I think I would have liked to see them add a little more on the floor. Well, yeah,
0: Minnesota's the team. And,
1: and D even, because, I mean, you you have Brad Hunt, Colton Saucy, Ian Cole, and that's
0: in your top seven right there, in the top six. Mm-hmm. Those aren't um, extra guys. Those um, aren't that. Carson Susie's not that bad, though. The, the, the thing that I think for me is, yeah, like, I think central teams maybe get away with it because behind Colorado it is a lot more open. I mean, unlike the Atlantic, which is a buzzsaw, you know, and the, and the Metro is just kind of a buzzsaw too. And, and next year, next year in the, like, well, you think about the Pacific division next year. I mean, Colorado and Vegas are not in the same division when we go back to normal, right? You, you have a division next year where you have Vegas. You've got Edmonton who is, you know, who should be there. You know, you've got Vancouver who I guess is rebuilding, but they've had COVID. It's kind of hard to tell the Flames who should be rebuilding. The California teams are all rebuilding. And uh, you're going to have an expansion team in the division next year. Yep. And so, like, again, like, next year it's, like, Vegas and Edmonton, and then you've got just a bunch of what else is going on there. Yeah, you know? and, and that is
1: why I don't understand. I mean, is it because the Edmonton Oilers are so bad at managing their cap they just can't do anything?
0: I, I, you know what? But, I think it's I think it's the cap I do. Because, like, when you look at Vegas, but, but, the, the, but the problem with that, with that line of thinking is you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, who will literally play games with 16 players because they screwed up the cap so much because they went out and they're always thinking, we have to do something big. We got to get Petrangelo. We got to get Mark Stone. We got to get Pacioretty, right? Like, it is a go big. It is a, I mean, maybe to their detriment at times, but they're always thinking, we got to go big or go home. You know, we have to do this. You know, that's their mindset. Yeah, well, I mean, they got Dmitry Kulikov, which, you know. I mean, he's a perfectly acceptable bottom pair defenseman for the playoffs. I I, I mean, don't
1: mind Kulikov for a conditional fourth or whatever, given that – who was another D that went for
0: a third today that was um, Montour-esque? Montour-esque. I mean, Eric Gabranson got traded again. That was funny. Yeah, oh, God,
1: yeah. I mean – Like, he's definitely better than Gabranson.
0: Um, But I would have liked to see
1: them – like maybe make Josh Archibald or Alex Cheson further down their lineup. Like, I, I thought Edmonton deserved to do a little more to help their star players. And that, that's how I look at it. I mean, how often is Conor McDavid going to be 25 years old, healthy, with a healthy Leon Dreisettle who's 25 years old? How often is that going to happen? Playing some of the best hockey they ever have. And a- you're
0: in a division... Where you don't have to go through
1: Vegas, you don't or, have to play super amounts of defense, which are the two the only like, weak
0: points of those two players you're gonna be you're gonna play Winnipeg in the first round, and then if you win you're probably playing the Leafs as much as I think Toronto's very good like I don't think Toronto's unbeatable you know i I think Edmonton could beat them. like like for Winnipeg, yeah. you know I would be taking other- Toronto over Tampa or Carolina. <laughs> Obviously, well, <laughs> I'd be well, taking that right now. Well, the other thing that I would be thinking, like the, the team that you mentioned is Winnipeg, like the Jets, you know, the the, the thing that you don't really want to waste is a hero of a goaltender. And right now, the Winnipeg Jets are where they are, largely because Connor Hellebuck should win the Vesna again, if not for Andre Vasilevsky. Connor, Helle- Connor Hellebuck
1: is going to have the same career Corey Schneider in that, like, his prime's going to be wasted by, like, a New Jersey Devils-like team, and then they're going to start making moves as soon as he starts making the decline.
0: I mean, like, that defense core, I just... They added Jordy Ben, but it's not good enough to to win a playoff series. It just isn't. By the way, Jordy Ben, guy might have taken on Florida. I
1: mean, obviously they have uh, so many bodies. If they didn't have those bodies, I would have taken a Jordy Ben, but...
0: Again, I think that, again, a lot of guys who go like Ben Hutton went, like they're just perfectly serviceable guys who can do the job when you need them to. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I think that's about covered the trade deadline. I don't think we missed anything um, unless there's something else you, you, you thought about. I'm just
1: over the trade deadline being so boring. I think the NHL needs to do something i i mean obviously i'm not about a flat cap or a salary cap or anything i think there should be at least a luxury tax and a soft cap in that way um or there needs to be like okay so we haven't talked about this but there was some money salary cap laundering going on between
0: you know through third parties like oh the double retention buying draft picks yes. yeah Yes,
1: the double retention buying draft picks for fourth or fifth. By the way, very cheap price. If I was Steve Eisman, I would have set the market at a third or maybe even a, tried to at a second. And uh, Maybe he did. Maybe he did. But I would have held firm because now the price is only, gonna, only ever going to get cheaper, never going to get more expensive. Um, but, yeah, so, okay, if that's going to happen – you can't wait for it to slowly happen organically when there's one or two GMs willing to do those things. You have to start putting in incentives and making it more prevalent that you can trade cap space. Like, you know, you can actually just straight up trade cap space. You can, you know, cause that will, I think, loosen the gears and everything when it doesn't have to be such a loophole to jump through. Um, for teams to utilize more often. And if we want to talk about having parity in the NHL, the best way to make a small market team that's bad good is giving them more avenues to increase their assets. You can do that through selling cap space and stuff during a rebuild. Or, you know, if you're a small market team, you can maybe trade cap space for money. I don't know if that's something the NHL would want to do, But if I could trade an expiring contract rental and cap space as, you know, a team on the bubble and I'm trying to decide whether to, uh, you know, sell or not, and I could make money and get some draft picks by doing that, it makes my decision a lot easier, makes a lot more trades, makes a lot more movement, and I think it makes teams better and you have better playoff hockey. Mm-hmm.
0: Again, don't disagree with you. Um, yeah. So it was, a, it was a decent. I mean, like it could. I mean, it, it was not going to be good, and then the Mantha trade happened.
1: Was uh, yeah, and I mean, again, it's not like any. I don't think anybody made bad moves. I don't think there was a move that was laughable. I think the Panthers paid too much for Bennett. I think the Lightning paid too much for Savard. I think people paid too much for things, but not to the point that
0: there's not a Forsberg for yeah, Eric trade not, in here. I'm
1: not judging a GM on like I don't think Brisbois should get judged for overpaying for Savard. I think Zito shouldn't get judged for overpaying for Bennett,
0: but I mean it's definitely something to be aware of that. Zito's Listen, I, I, I don't, blame, I like don't blame the GMs that went for it. And I think a lot of, there were a lot more teams that went for it and made that big move than I thought we might see because of the pandemic and the pandemic market that we're in. But it, it does mean that we're going to get some very interesting teams. We're going to have some interesting series. And I, of course, want to remind you, as we are now well past the point of return on this podcast, that again, Chris Peters will be joining us later in the week at YHockey, at Matt's Musings1, M-A-T-T-S-M-U-S-I-N-G-S-1. On Twitter, if you have questions for Chris Peters about Panthers prospects, about any of the prospects that were moved, um, about any players, whether it be Matt Kierstedt, Spencer Knight, somebody like that, or the 2021 draft, if you have questions about any of that, please bring them in because I want to ask Chris as many questions as we can. It's a very good show. We always like talking about the draft, and um, I'm excited for that. I know Tommy's excited for that, too, so I think, with that said, good night and good hockey.